here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Soul Separately Weekly Podcast dedicated to all of you amazing people that tune in every single week. You guys are are pretty epic, actually. I always say like the anti-status quo crew, you know, you guys are like way outside the lines, going to go figure it out. And then, of course, we have all kinds of people in the crowd and all kinds of people that, uh, you know, come on, a, on on as guests. We have everything from artists and athletes to CEOs, innovators hustlers people i always say drawn outside the lines um carving your own path and uh for my newer listeners it's nice to meet you on matt goddessman you can find me on instagram at matt goddessman yes i actually answer every single dm reply response text email you name it i've done so for eight years on all of my accounts but matt goddessman is really where i've been kind of cultivating the the the, the crux of the community and i really appreciate you guys and for my OGs, thank you. Uh, you guys are at about 7 million downloads. It's been amazing. I appreciate the uh, ratings and reviews and just more importantly, the feedback and you guys tuning in every single week. It means a lot. So uh, for the newer listeners, sometimes we have guests. Sometimes we do solo episodes. We have an amazing guest today. And I always say we don't glamorize success. I I, that's not going to happen on this podcast. It never will happen on this podcast. And I'm very passionate about that because I can't define that for you. It's a very arbitrary word that only you can really mold and shape and create the way you want to. It's your life. It's your life path and it's your soul, man. So that's <laughs> that's the way it's got to go. Um, but I really appreciate you guys. And, uh, you know, today's guest uh, is uh, he's an author. He's uh, an entrepreneur. He's a former pro athlete. Uh, you know, we're going to dive into a lot of different things. His name is Dre Baldwin, and you guys may be familiar with him. Uh, he's also CEO and founder of Work On Your Game, Inc., four TEDx Talks, authored 31 books. I'm working on my first. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> By the way, we're going to get into that. I'm going to have to ask you about that. Like, uh, you know, I appreciate the audience for asking like the last eight years, and I'm finally doing that one. But, um, you know, his content's been viewed over 73 million times. Daily Work On Your Game podcast is over 2,200 episodes. Guys, I'm at 450. <laughs> 4.5 million listeners. Incredible human being. Um, doing the work more importantly we're going to talk a lot about that as well he had a nine-year professional basketball career playing in eight countries his framework is the roadmap in reverse uh, you guys already know how I feel about this because you guys pretty much hear me say this on like all the content as much as possible uh, and doing so for professional mindset strategy accountability and execution and we're going to dive into strategy and consistent formulas to business now hear me out you guys know how passionate i am about this uh, so to give you an idea if you don't know where you are heading you you know this is a cliche i, I didn't make this up it's that cliche of like you won't know when you got there and you don't have to know how but you certainly have to have an idea of where you would like to head and more importantly you know constructing models and systems and things like that that can work for you on the way otherwise you will always be in this grind mentality grind mode there is nothing obviously hustle is in the title you guys get it but i've never said it was about hustle and so like you bleed to death it's about like you know how do you put in the right smart work for what you believe in in all areas of your life and you ha i believe you have to have a lot of models and frameworks not just in business but in like how do you you know uh, implement great habits how do you what is your routines like? You know, not the rigidity of the discipline of routines that like, you know, doesn't leave for flexibility to keep creating your life. Actually, it's in reverse. I believe that actually having routines and daily disciplines allows you to create your life. And so we're going to dive into a lot of different things, but I'm going to hand over the show to him at this point. <laughs> so we're going to have a chat. Dre, I appreciate you being here. Oh, I appreciate you sharing your platform, Matt. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Excited for this conversation. Absolutely. So I, I mentioned before the show, first question is the only question we don't riff. How do we get here? Because, okay. uh, you know, you have an incredible background. And, mm -hmm. you know, I would love for you to share with the audience, like, you know, what you were learning before, what you were learning going into it, what you were learning, you know, post uh, 
um, sports because I know I have a lot of friends, uh, former professional athletes as well, and mindset, okay. you know, is everything during and also what happens afterwards and reinventing themselves, all mm, kinds during. of things, you know. So I would love for you to just go on a tear, brother. Okay, I'll give you the, the five minute version. If you want, uh, you can go ten if you need. You can go ten if you need. <laughs> go for okay. it. Okay, right. we'll see if, it, if it's boring. You can cut me off at five. So, uh, my background is uh, come from the city of Philadelphia. Now I live in Miami, Florida. I was always into sports growing up, so I played a little bit of um, the backyard. You know, touch football. We didn't have yards actually. We had we had concrete. You know, we played in the, on the concrete. Touch football, kickball, some basketball on people's you know portable backyard courts. Eventually, uh, the first team sport that I tried to play was football, but I never, my family couldn't afford equipment, so I never really played football, like getting hit. Then I moved on to play baseball for a few years. I wasn't really that talented at baseball, so the, my ceiling was probably to be mediocre, so I moved on to basketball around age 14. Now, that's pretty late to start playing a sport. It's young in life, but it's pretty late if you're trying to go somewhere in the sport. That's talking about playing in college, let alone pro. So that was the start of my high school years. I was a freshman in high school. So uh, only played one year of high school basketball, got cut all three years, junior, fresh, freshman, sophomore, junior got cut. Finally made the team as a senior. Now that one year I played, I averaged two points per game, Matt. Now I don't know uh, what sports your friends are in, but two points in basketball is not a lot. You know, now if you're playing, I always say if you're playing soccer or hockey, you score two points a game, you're in the Hall of Fame. But right. in basketball, <laughs> uh, nobody even knows that you're there, right? So coming out of high school, people would have said to me, look, kid, you're going to go somewhere in life, but it's probably not going to be playing basketball. So I went to, I did go to college, but I didn't have any, uh, based on my background, naturally, I didn't have anyone recruiting me. I didn't have, no coaches knew who I was. So I went to college. I went to a school that was Division Three at the time. Wasn't even Division Three yet, but I had to walk on. And for those who don't know what that means, that means you literally walk into the gym as a nobody. Nobody knows who you are, and you have to play your way onto the roster. I was able to do that, luckily. But the thing is, I was still playing at the Division Three level. So I played my college ball at the D3 level. And Division Three sports, for those who don't know, doesn't really produce a lot of pro athletes. So when you watch college football on TV, like the bowl games, that's Division One, Or you watch Mar March Madness, the basketball tournament, that's Division One. We were down in the basement, Division Three, <laughs> not even Division Two, down Division Three. So most of us do not become pro athletes. So coming out of college, I wanted to go pro, but I didn't have any prospects given my pedigree where I had come from. So my first year out of school, Matt, I actually worked a couple quote-unquote regular jobs. I worked at Foot Locker as a assistant manager. I worked at a gym called Bally Total Fitness, selling gym memberships. Uh, Bally's out of business now, but not because of me. I think I did pretty well for them. <laughs> I sold a good number of memberships. I made some commission there. And uh, in the summer, and just to give everybody a time frame here because it matters, I graduated college in the summer of 2004. So that whole year I worked. And then the summer of 2005, I saved up my money to go to this event called an exposure camp. Now, I'm sure most people don't know what that is. Now, an exposure camp for professional athletes or wannabe professional athletes is an event where you pay money and a whole bunch of people who think they're good enough to play pro basketball all come to one venue and we play with and against each other for a couple of days trying to prove that we're good enough to play pro. And the audience is not just random stragglers from the street. It's a bunch of agents, coaches, scouts, and managers from around the world who actually work for pro basketball teams who are looking for talent. So it's basically like a, a casting call. Everybody's familiar with what a casting call is. Exposure camps like a casting call, but for athletes. And you have to pay to go to this casting call. You can't just show up with a photo. You have to actually pay money. So I paid money to go to this camp. Now, this thing was in Orlando, Florida. Now, I'm from Philadelphia. And if you know the geography from Philly to Orlando, we, we didn't even buy plane tickets because we didn't really have that much money. So we drove. We rented a car and drove. It's a 19-hour drive. We got in the car on Friday afternoon. We're recording this on a Friday, as a matter of fact. It's about this time of day, too. <laughs> we got in the car on a Friday afternoon, and we drove from Philly to Orlando, and the camp started at 9 a.m. on Saturday. We got out the car at, like, 8.57 a.m. <laughs> on Saturday, hopped out the car, and I paid $250 in cash, like actual paper dollars. Many people don't even know what that feels like anymore, right, because we all use cards. Because I didn't have a bank account or a credit card. So they let me pay in cash, pay $250 in cash at the door, and we started playing basketball. Now, again, I could get away with doing that at 23. I probably couldn't do it now. But uh played two days at that camp. It was only two days long, Saturday, Sunday. I played pretty well at that camp. And my the reviews that I got from that camp, the scouting report, was very pivotal for me. Because this was a third party, an independent third party saying, hey, this guy is good enough to play pro. 
he has the potential to be a good professional basketball player. So I got that scouting report and I also got the footage from that exposure mm -hmm. camp. And that's what I did when I got back home because I did not get signed to a contract on the spot. Went back to Philadelphia, back to my job at Bally. As a matter of fact, I had to be at work on Monday morning. So I went back to work Monday morning and then I took my scouting report and that footage, Matt, and here's what I started doing. I went on Google and mind you, the internet was not the internet right. that it is now in 2005. It was out, but it wasn't this. I so I went on Google <laughs> and I started Googling basketball agents because my logic was, I, want, I knew I would probably play overseas. I knew the New York Knicks or the Lakers weren't looking for me, but I could probably get a job overseas. So I figured the basketball agents, they would know people overseas who I don't know because I'd barely been out of the state of Pennsylvania, let alone out of the country. So I started cold calling basketball agents. And I mean literally on the phone, cell phone, calling these agents. This is not a DM. This is not a, a text, right. not an email, calling the agents and saying, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I have. And the reason I was doing it at this point is because now I have some collateral, right? I have some proof. I have actually played somewhere I can show you something. It's not just me talking about I'm good. I have proof that I'm good. So I called about 60 basketball agents, Matt. And out of those 60, 20 of them said, okay, let me see what you got. Show me what you have. Because I had this footage. So I needed to send my footage to these 20 basketball agents. But again, let's remember the time frame. This is 2005. YouTube wasn't out yet. This is not a YouTube link. So what I was doing, I actually had my footage from this exposure camp was on this thing called a VHS tape. Matt, you remember yeah. those? Oh, of course. VHS. I'm, I'm about two years older than you. <laughs> okay, so VHS tape. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. All right, so for all the millennials listening, if you don't know what that is, ask your parents <laughs> or Google it, and you can find out what the VHS tape is. It's a physical device with yep. your footage on it. This is before YouTube links. So I'm making copies of my own VHS tape because I had a double-decker VCR at home. So I'm making copies of my tape, and I'm mailing them out on my own dime to all these agents around the world who said, let me see what you got. Now, understand that just because I send my footage to an agent doesn't mean anything's going to happen. All right? I sent my footage to 20 agents. One agent followed up after they got my footage and said, I will represent you. And that agent helped me get my career started. He got me my first job uh, playing basketball professionally. That was in Kaunas, Lithuania in the summer of 2005. So that's how I got on playing overseas. Now, I got a, a parallel story to happen at the same time because this footage, as I said, it was on a VHS tape. I needed to keep this footage, safe keep this footage in some way. So I figured, you know, because anybody who remembers VHS, you know, if you drop it, yep. if it gets wet, you leave it in the sun, that footage is destroyed and you can't get it back. So I took that tape to an audio visual store when they at least when they used to exist. And they took that footage and they ripped it off. They put it on a data CD and I put that data CD into my parents desktop HP computer and I uploaded the footage. Now, by this point, this is a couple months later when I had this footage and I uploaded it to this brand new website that said you can put up as much footage as you want for free. And it was called YouTube.com. And yes, that's where my this parallel career started. I didn't know it was a career at the time. Right. So I put that footage up there and didn't even care about it. Because back then, if you remember, between 2005 to 2009, what was YouTube? It was cat videos and <laughs> yeah. you know, Johnny bent my finger. Right. Nobody cared about YouTube. Right. right. And there was no money to be made there. YouTube was losing money for many years. But and we'll get to that. And so I put that footage up there. I'm still playing overseas. So I played a few places. And fast forward into around 2009, uh, Matt, I found myself unemployed. I was a pro basketball player, but I was out of a job. So I was a free agent, but my phone was not ringing. So I'm thinking to myself, man, how, what am I going to do next? Because at this point, I'm getting into my mid to late 20s. And I'm like, man, how am I going to really know where my next paycheck is coming and live like an adult? I don't even know how I'm going to make money. So it just so happened. I had just finished reading at this time uh, Tim Ferriss's first book called The Four Hour Work Week, which I'm sure everybody knows about. So I read that book and Tim had an experiment that he put it. It was either in there or on his blog. I don't remember. But he was just talking about how you can test out a product idea because yep. on YouTube, parallel career here, I was putting all these basketball videos out and all these basketball players started finding me on YouTube. Again, they weren't looking for Dre Baldwin. They were just looking for help for how to practice basketball. And I happened to be the guy who was doing it. Nobody else was doing it at the time. So I had to start to build this little following on the internet. But again, there was nothing to make of a following on the internet in 2007, 2008. Who cares if you have a following on the internet, right? There's nothing you can do with it. At least not that I knew of. So Tim Ferriss had this idea of how you can test out a product idea and you can see if it's viable. He said, make this one page website on this uh, hosting platform called Weebly, a free one page site. Say, this is your product. This is what it is. This is what it does. There's, here's how much it costs. If you want to buy this product, click the button. 
So I did that. I made two programs. A, well, I had I proposed the idea of two programs. I didn't actually make them. One was a dribbling program. One was a shooting program for basketball players. Here's This will teach you how to dribble in seven days. This will teach you how to shoot in seven days. The product is $4.99, like five bucks. And you put a little button there that says, buy this product for $4.99. And when someone clicks the button, on the next page, it says, hey, this product is under construction. But if you want it, put in your email address. And when it's ready, we'll email you. And Tim said, if you get people putting in their email address, that means, you know, you have a viable product, go make it and sell it. And then he said, go on Google and go to Google ads and put in five dollars worth of Google ads and you can test it and see if you're getting clicks. Now, as a disclaimer, everybody, it's 2022. You cannot <laughs> do this with five dollars in Google ads in 2022. <laughs> you could have did it in 2009. You can't do it anymore. And might we be, did might have put a couple. Yeah, you might have put a couple zeros after it. But anyway, I did it with five dollars and it worked. I was getting people actually putting their email address in. So I went and made these programs overnight. It was just a PDF, how to shoot, how to dribble in basketball. And I remember I made my first sale. And I remember I used to have the, the BlackBerry phones. Did you ever had a BlackBerry, Matt? Yes, sir. Okay, so the BlackBerry, mm -hmm. you know, when you got an email or a text, yep. the little red light would start blinking. Yep. So the red light blinked <laughs> one night. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And it said, congratulations, you made a sale. And I remember when I made that sale that night, and I actually had to send an email to the person who bought from me and I had to upload the file as an attachment because I didn't know there was a such thing as auto delivery. Like when somebody buys something digital, they automatically get it. I didn't know that existed. So for about a week, I was doing that every day until I figured out auto delivery. But I remember when I made that first sale, Matt, I said to myself, this is what I need to be doing. Like I'm going to keep playing ball as long as I physically can. But I know that at some point, you know, I'm not going to be able to jump 40 inches in the air and dunk on people. But I can always extract my intellectual property. I didn't, I didn't even know that phrase at the time, but I could always use my intellectual property and I can sell that forever. So that's how I knew this will, that would be my future is taking the knowledge in my head, packaging it into something I created from scratch and selling it for money. Now this is again around 2010. I kept playing ball till 2015, mm. but I knew that's what I would be doing when I got done playing. Now another parallel that happened around the same time, about 2009 to 2010, was the basketball players who were following me on YouTube, they learned a little bit about my story, like what I've shared with you so far, like how I barely made it in high school, walked on in college, played pro. And they said, man, like, they started asking me questions about my mindset because they just noticed how, like, yeah, why did you keep trying? I mean, right. you got cut from your high school right. team three times. Most people get cut once and they stop trying. Why did you keep coming up? Why did you keep showing up? Or how did you get the confidence to perform at that one time, because a lot of people don't understand about the sports world. And when you're trying to make a team, you get one chance. It's you practice all year. You get one day to prove that you can play. If you mess up on that one day, nobody cares what you did the other 364 days of the year. You get one shot. And a lot of players would ask me, Dre, how do you take the, you know, the pressure of that one day? You worked all year. You know you're good. But if you get nervous, you get performance anxiety, how do you show up in that one moment when you get a chance to prove yourself? Or they would just ask about the long-term thing. Like, again, you got cut that year. You walked on here. Nobody was checking for you to play pro. You're working at Foot Locker. How do you keep it in your mind you could even make it as a pro basketball player? Because, honestly, that's kind of a far-fetched idea. If we're being honest, it, I was kind of crazy to even think that I could make it as a pro ball player coming from where I came from. So I started answering these questions in, in my material. And what I started doing, Matt, was this video every Monday. I called it the Weekly Motivation. Because I will put out a basketball drill every day on YouTube. But then I said one day on Monday, I said, all right, y'all, what I'm going to do, I'm going to make this video every week. I'm going to call it the weekly motivation. I'm just talking about a mindset thing because I noticed the players were asking me so much about mindset. Clearly, they wanted to learn how to dribble and shoot and dunk. But when they when it because at first they would just see me doing drills, like uh, clearly he can play. But when they heard me talk, they said, man, this guy can actually he can explain it. Not as not only just do it. So they just wanted to hear me talk about it. So I did the weekly motivation every Monday on YouTube for 400 Mondays in a row. Mm. And the weekly motivation became the foundation of what I do now because it was me just taking just little ideas. This is a little selfie video, three to five minute selfie video. And this is before we had video cameras on our phones. So this is a, literally a camera I'm holding in my hand and making these videos. And I did that every Monday for so long. And that's when I started to draw this audience of people who didn't even play basketball to my world. And they would say, Dre, I'm following you not because I'm trying to learn how to do the Kobe move or make the NBA. It's because when you do that weekly motivation, that thing applies to everybody. You don't have to be a basketball player to learn from that. So this planted a seed in my mind, Matt, to go along with a previous idea. Yes, I can extract my intellectual property, but I don't have to limit myself to just sports. 
I can take this piece right here. And I saw how valuable it was because to me, a lot of the stuff that I was saying just seemed normal. This is just the way that I normally think. But I realized that not everybody thought that way. So that's how I knew when I get done playing ball, I'm not stuck in the basketball world. I'm going to take the intellectual property idea and the mindset piece, and I want to make something out of that. And I already was saying work on your game. So it was it was perfect because work on your game doesn't say basketball. It just says work on your game. I could be any game. So when I stopped playing ball in 2015, by that point, I had already established myself kind of as a guy who knew mindset. But of course, basketball players knew me. I'd already started writing some books because the uh, the self-publishing industry had opened up. I did my first TED Talks around that time. That was 2015 when I stopped playing. So fast forward to today. Now, I've been doing that full time since then, since 2015 when I stopped. And here we are. Now, my company is called Work On Your Game, if you couldn't guess. And that's what I do. I work with professionals from all industries on just the the system that I created. It's called the Work On Your Game system. You couldn't guess that either. It's <laughs> about taking the, the tools and the strategies to help athletes get to the top 1% and showing professionals how those tools translate over and how you can use them at work and in everyday life. So that's how we got here. I, I love everything about this whole, like that whole run you just made. A, a lot of, because there's a lot of parallels. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was very much into sports, but that's not, that wasn't, that wasn't my thing. Uh, I mean, professionally mm -hmm. it wasn't, I, I love, like I, you know, right. all the sports. Jersey over here, bro. So we try state, I was central Jersey. So yes, I, got, I got you and- What uh, city? Uh, Tom's River. Lakewood, actually, my my pops okay, was uh, yeah. Asbury Park originally, Northern Jersey. Asbury Park was where we started. Um, but uh, yeah, shout out to Jersey, you know. So, but and just listening to you, yeah. you know, we're we're part of that interesting generation um, of where hustle met the early stages of technology, but it really right. replied. Yes. Uh, uh, it re it needed us to really be still out of the trunk mentality. Like, here's my demo. Here's mm -hmm. my demo. Here's my demo. Cold calling right. was different back then, you know, everything, right? So I love that you shared that. I also love, like, I have a very um, creator economy uh, audience where they, these are these type of tactics that I explain that even though we are in 2022, a lot of these things are still very applicable. Take out your phone. In fact, it's even right. easier for the, th it's easier to make the basics happen. We had to put the stuff on YouTube and digital is my background. So I, and I was, I had, okay. I got so crazy with entrepreneurship um, by building stuff and then like going through that whole world. And then I was like, just like you, I'm like, you know what? I got to talk about this online. <laughs> you're like, mm -hmm. people come to you right. first for the entrepreneurship. You know, they came to you first for the basketball and then they come to you and you're like, yeah, but how do you keep your mind in the game? You're like, that's a whole other, like, let's talk about that, you know? And then, you, you know, and that leads to so many other things. We really are more than one thing. And, and it goes, so, so I love that you brought that up. I love that you were um, asked, why did you keep trying? I think that's mm -hmm. a really, really big deal um, because um, that's a, it's an important question. It's a very wide question and it's different for every single person, but it's cool that you were asked that because, um, it, it's it's an interesting question when it, once it does actually finally come up and you're like you know you know it makes you think about it you're like part of it is just the 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 inclination to just want to like I want to see what happens if I don't stop you know part of it is just like mm -hmm. I, like there are even times I'm like I don't really know you know <laughs> like you know it's like right. I mean I I do I do know like innately I know soulfully but you're just like meaning like it's not in my blood I can't I mm -hmm. it, so I I can't tell you why I won't stop. But if I had to give you reason, if I had to actually give you a you know, rationale or whatever, because I don't want I don't want to stop like I want to figure it out. I want to put together. This is my life. I want to create. I want to keep going. And I don't want anybody else to feel alone along the way either. Like I want to see how many people I can help while I'm trying to like grow it myself and do stuff, you know, and then if I can cut the learning curve for a lot of people, you know, great. I love that you brought up um, Tim Ferriss and the four hour work week. I was just making a lot of really great notes that you were bringing that up. I think it's a pivotal book for a lot of people because of the testing. So many people are right. planning so much before launching. And I'm like, listen, now more than ever, like I did a, a you know, workshop recently, just free and I'm like 70 some people. And I was like, hey, what do you guys want on this area? Like we've been doing this stuff over here. Like, what do you guys want over here? And they're like, oh, this is great. We want more of this. I'm like, thank you. I'll make that next. Like, we live in, an, in an, a time where it's easy to just reach out to people and offer help from the things that really fuel you that others may need, and you can take signals. So I love that you did that. You're like, mm -hmm. listen, like, I got this idea. I can either give this or that, 
but let me see what the signal is from you know the you know from the the audience first and then it proved like there is some viability there great and i think it takes a lot of pressure off of thinking like you got to plan this grandiose thing i think you got to get to market validate and then you know and then and then what did you do you started building the parachute like oh i can automate certain things got it now i'll learn this right got it <laughs> right. and um when exactly. we can remove the the pressure of having to have it all figured out before like moving uh i think people can yeah, move much faster that. right yeah right <laughs> i know that's well yeah we're, we're again we're of a different generation too of like that just straight right. you know hustle it you know like figure it out figure it out mm. um exactly. you know what uh to that question you know a couple of key things like mm. so obviously there's there's like a combination there on one hand there's the ability to just constantly test and do like create and you know do things and get the signals on the other side it's how do i create frameworks and models and things like that that you know work for me and i think that there's kind of an in tandem because you don't want to just some, I mean, sometimes it's great to just create just to see what comes up. But I think sometimes people are thinking too much like of outcomes that they mm -hmm. don't have enough yet for. And I think it's because they're also, you know, it's like they see society like, oh, I want to do this product because I want to make all this money. I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, let's take a step back. Um, and because if they are just doing things for only for money, I know it's very cliche and it comes up all the time. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't have the same sustainability in there as when you're really actually wanting to try to figure it out and using frameworks. I mean, you can go on a tear in any way. I'm not really asking a question as much as like, what are you noticing about the difference between, you know, testing things out and then making sure you also have things that, you know, are, are working for you in the process as well too. So for me, the, the number one thing that I do is I just look at the market and what do they want from me? And the way that I was able to figure that out is because I came into the game just giving. I came into the game just giving. And uh, Russell Simmons, guy, he's a, a, yeah. a hip hop guy. You know Russell. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the things that he says in one of his books is, "Give until they can't live without you." And that was the internet. That was the way that I showed up. You know, when I came online, there was no way, at least for people who didn't really know. Like, I mean, there was a way to make money on the internet in 2000, but I didn't know about it until around 2009, 2010. But I was publishing in 2005. So for four or five years, I was just putting out content for free, asking for nothing in exchange. There were no ads on YouTube back then. There was no monetization. I didn't have an email list. I was just putting out content free. So by the time I started selling something, I already had an audience. It was like a yep. dam. All I had to do was just lower the door and the, and the flood came in yep. because I had already established myself as if you want to learn how to practice basketball by yourself, and you want to find it on YouTube, you got to look up this dude, Dre Baldwin. And nobody knew, nobody was checking for Dre Baldwin. They just came to know me because I established myself as the guy if you want to learn how to play ball. And then at the same time, I established myself as a guy who like, he, not only can he play, but he can actually explain it. He can articulate the how to do it and he can talk about the mindset piece that goes with it and he kind of like he explains it pretty well like i could i could get across to these people because i had the the oratory skill so by the time i started selling things i wasn't looking for an audience i already had it i already had the audience it was already there and then when i started talking about the mindset stuff when i got out of basketball in 2015 I was already established as I already have my frameworks, I already know what I'm talking about. Yep. I have years of talking about this. It was just a matter of getting the, the non-basketball world to understand, okay, this guy actually does know his stuff. So I was never showing up as a, I was never starting from zero. No, I was starting from zero, but I wasn't. When I was yep. selling things, I was never starting from zero because I had already established myself. And another thing I wanted to add on to something you said earlier, that our era, I'm 40 years old, so I'm assuming you're in the early 40s 43 Matt? yeah 43 okay right so one of the things that i said i said this uh, a few months ago is that our era the great thing about our era matt is that we grew up in an era when you didn't have a smartphone right and you didn't have social so in order to deal with other people you had to do it face to face belly to belly nose to nose but we were still young enough that when the internet came around we were able to jump on that technology and learn it so we have the mix of both Whereas the younger generation, they don't have the interpersonal, they didn't have to have the interpersonal skills, not that they don't have, but they didn't have to. And the older generation, they don't, they might not be so interested in hopping on the internet. So we're in this wave where we got the best of both worlds. And that's what makes this generation so great.
I, I love it. I saw a meme uh, a, a few months back, and it was kind of, to paraphrase, it was like um, somebody of exactly our age group was like, we're that weird in between where we look up at the ones that came before us and look at the ones that are below us, you know, that, that came after us and be like, what's wrong with both of you? <laughs> it was like, right. it was like, it was a exactly. joke. It was a joke. It was like, uh, not like wrong, but it was like, like, actually it's both of you guys are, are you know, are, are killing me. No, but um, I mean, but it's, you know, mm. um, we did grow up in a, in a, in a really unique time and you're, that's exactly it. We mm. were young enough where, because the internet was just launching and those of us that stuck with it, cause we're like, oh, this is, this is unique. And we were at that age where like, they were also kind of being made by people around our age. So they were just like, mm -hmm. something's not working. I want to try these new things. And, and a few of us just attached to it. I mean, I started attaching it to it at AOL in 95, you know, and then Google in 90, mm. you know, seven, eight, That's nine. Right. And then like, you know, and they're just kind of mm -hmm. coming up with it was, and then, you know, affiliate marketing and like driving traffic and Google paid ads like in 2006 and seven and like, you know, doing all, doing I all this. I've thing. been in that early, you know, well, it will, you know, it's yeah. yeah, but you know, um, it was all everybody was trying to figure it out because it's all this, you know, it was right. all new technology, right? And and mm -hmm. you know, it was still kind of being pieced together, right? So, um, right. but I, I love that we were a very unique era, and I think that when you put those two together, you what you have is um, that kind of well, I know it's I'm used to face to face, I'm used to having to kind of hustle, I'm used to having like you know make things happen a certain way. And then wait a minute, you're meaning mm. to tell me like the technology makes that just a little bit easier. So it's like, you know, I've even had CEOs be like, yeah, how do you do that thing? You know, like with like, you know, talking on camera, I'm like, you mean authenticity? They're like, yeah, like, how do you come off like that? I was like, you're asking me about authenticity. <laughs> they're like, well, and I'm like, look, right. you're probably afraid to have certain conversations or whatever, because I get it generationally, you weren't supposed to mess up. And I'm like, actually, the internet's very forgiving. And to your point, building an audience. The audience is not the same as the boardroom it's just not and oh, the no. the audience oh, no. wants realness they want the real you they are coming to you because of value and help and service being an acts of service and you made a very very valid point and i tell people like it doesn't matter how long it takes just build your mm -hmm. group online build your audience build your crew like you know and and i think people have also gotten a little bit out of hand where they think oh it's got to be a million people i'm like no it doesn't you could have a solid 500 mm -hmm. that you are just servicing the you know them and their needs and like you know i was like have you done the math right. on that if they actually does turn into like where you build programs out or products or whatever and you know and then they don't until they do and they're like oh and i'm like yeah you know, I was like, just handle the people you, you want to serve. And, and, you know, first I like that, you know, Russell Simmons, you know, about giving, you know, uh, giving to right. they can't live without you. That's brilliant though. Right. So, um, you know, and you know, along the way, do you, do you, I mean, how pivotal were they in helping solidify they meaning the audience, even more of the frameworks because they're constantly giving us signals as well too. Right. I mean, they're giving you like, Oh, you know, I love, I love that you did this, this, and this. By the way, what do you think about these other things? And like, you know, what was that relationship with you along the way? Like, you know, as you kept kind of building out more of your, you know, offerings, because, you know, was that relationship just so open and the feedback was there? And were they constantly giving you more in return as well? hundred percent. Right. Every product I ever created was an idea that came from an audience. Exactly. Every single product. I know I'm you no evil genius <laughs> sitting in a cave uh, just right. coming up with ideas. Right. Absolutely not. So even that first product that I created, the $5 basketball training program, before I made the program, even after the Tim Ferriss uh, suggestion, I went on YouTube because what happened is a basketball player who was following me left a comment and said, hey, Dre, we see that you know how to practice basketball. You're clearly good. Can you make some kind of, because I had so many videos, the players were getting lost in the sea of content trying to figure out where to start. So he said, can you just write it down? Like what, per, what, what drill should I do first? And what should I do second so that I can follow and work out the way that you do? So it's some kind of sequence to it. And I said, sure, I can do that, but I would charge for such a program. Would you be willing to pay for it? Mind you, this is in the YouTube comment section. This conversation is happening in 2009. And the commentators responded and they said, yeah, as long as it doesn't cost too much. And I knew who my audience was. I knew this was a 13 to 24 year old males who you know, lived at home with their parents and they're trying to play basketball. So I can't make a thousand dollar program for them. Right. Like five dollars, four dollars, 99 cents. They, they all can do that and they don't have to ask their mom. Right. So that's how I knew where I would start. 
And that's where my first program came from. And then everything else, it was, it all came off of the questions that the audience was asking me. The only reason I did the weekly motivation is because when I started explaining my story and telling them the thought process behind what I did, like I would say, and I would talk about it. The players would say stuff like, Dre, you sound like a, you sound like a philosopher, LOL. Uh, you should be a, you should be a college professor. Or you, when you get done playing basketball, you should be something like a, a professional speaker. They would say stuff like that joking because of the way that I was explaining things. And then when I would, right. And then when I would like tell my story, I would, I would tell it to them in a way that I don't think they were used to hearing. Cause I would say something like uh, when I got cut from my high school team, the third time, I didn't blame the coach. I didn't say the coach is hating on me or the players, the other guys wouldn't pass me the ball. I said I had to look in the mirror and figure out what's wrong with my game because in the end, I can say whatever I want about the coach, but if I go four years of high school and don't make the team, what am I going to do? Put it on my tombstone that the coach hated on me? I would have been good at basketball, but you know, I had to take ownership of that. And when I started talking like that, a lot of the players, I think they had never heard anybody talk like that. And they said, oh, wow. Like, you know what, Dre, you got me self-reflecting. You got me actually looking at myself instead of looking at the externalities out there. And my brain is all about that. And that is all of those things led to people just saying to me, just in comments and DMs and emails and saying like, man, the way that you're talking about this, I haven't heard anybody talk like this. And that is what told me okay, this way that I've always thought like that. I've always talked like that. But when I started putting it out and people started responding to it, it told me, okay, there's more to this. Let me pull on this thread and, and do more with this. So that is really what, that is really where everything that I've ever created came from is just somebody saying, Hey, how about this? Or do you do anything like this? Or do you offer something like that? Even coaching, my first coaching client, I was on, um, you remember Periscope? Of course. Before it disappeared. <laughs> yes, I was on Periscope, right? I, I used to do Periscope lives every day for like 15 minutes. And I was doing a Periscope and some guy left a comment and said, hey, do you offer coaching? And at the time I had never coached anybody, but my answer was, yes, I do offer coaching. Send me an email. And that was my first coaching client. <laughs> and that's how I got into coaching. And I realized that people actually want this. And then I just started deconstructing what I was doing. Because I've done the same things over and over again. And that's how I kind of created my system. Just deconstructing what had worked yeah. for me and how I had done it. And how I had explained it to other people over the years. And that's how I came up with the system that I have to this very day. So everything, to answer your question, Matt, has come off of feedback from my audience. And one last piece I'll add to this. I've always read and responded to every comment, every email. I mean, I don't respond to every single thing, but I read every single comment. I reply to everything. Somebody offers me a thoughtful comment, even if they disagree with me, I always respond. I always engage. And I get a lot of my ideas simply from engaging with people in my audience. So none of this is just me just you know, coming up with ideas from the ether. It is me engaging with people. And that's how I get it. There's a lot in there. By the way, everybody go test them out. So I, my, my audience tests me all the time. I would say, like, try me, try me. And they, I was like, go in the DM, try me. And they do. Yeah. And they're like, man, you really answer every text. I'm like, yeah. You know, as long as I as long as I see it or come across it and it's, you know, not inappropriate <laughs> or anything like right. that, exactly. you know, but uh, but yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm testing the, uh, the audience here. First of all, um, go go, you know, follow and we'll, we'll get into all those details later. But um, one thing that you know, there's a lot of things in there that I, I really appreciated. Um, also, uh, humility. And I think it's mm. one of the most underrated business um acumen you can have and life acumen really is humility because when you're not in your ego and you're more in the humility of like how can i help and you're constantly doing things and then the audience keeps asking for help you're just listening and then you're just kind of finding your footing along the way like these things work this thing uh you know it does but i don't know if it's as, if it it should be as much of my time as these things over here it's just a humility to listen and see what their needs are like People will tell you what their needs are. And then you can just take that data in and really assess like what's calling you more. What do you want to try and see where it goes? You know, whatever it might be. But it takes humility to ask the questions and to be listening and not like forcing on people the things versus like, oh, let me just take ex business doesn't have to be hard. It really doesn't. It's really like, let me listen. Oh, you want that? Do I want to take the time to do those things? Um, is that really in my wheelhouse or like where I want to spend my time? And if not, like maybe I can give, you know, other where else can you go or whatever? You know, how else can I help? Um, so I love that you did that. And then the other thing, too, is the relatability. I think what was really important from the motivation side that you said was that um, 
taking a look at yourself. I found the same thing when mm-hmm. people were like, oh, well, you know, I, I heard what happened like, you know, all these years ago. It was like when I first started, I started really going hard on um, Instagram before, like in 2013. So it was before all the mm-hmm. algorithm stuff or whatever on other accounts. And I want to have these conversations. And they were like, you know, yeah, but like, you know, you aren't, don't you think you're being a little hard on yourself? I'm like, no, you don't understand. I was like, I'm looking at myself. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if somebody did something to you. Even if they clearly like maybe they were maybe they were in some way like, you know, projecting on you or taking it out on you or did you wrong or whatever it might be. How did you end up in that situation? How did you get there? How are you in? How are you making a series of decisions in your life that is, you know, this is what's unfolding. And so I was like, I wanted to look at the person in the mirror and be like, okay, like, what do I need to change about my approach? What do I need to change about how I do things? What do I need to like? Who am I as a man? Who am I as a man? You know, um, if I ever want to be, you know, uh, married again, um, this is that coming off of a divorce and a bunch of other stuff. I was like, who am I as a man in the community? I'm like, mm-hmm. who am I? Who's the man? Like, who is that man? And I think that mm-hmm. that makes it a lot more potent for the audience to be like, oh, wow, like radical accountability. You know, and it's like, yeah, I'm like, I know we can look externally at all the crazy stuff going on now more than ever. I'm like, but it's always going to imagine if everybody was just working on themselves right now. Done. Problems are done. <laughs> right. Right. Just like that. We're building you know? condos on the moon. Right. Like yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that's what really probably also hit home with you. And I can see that is, is like it's the relatability mm-hmm. that you were bringing like, yo, like, well, because as a man, I, I'm I'm trying in front of you to talk about what am I how am I handling things and behaving more like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, a, a man that's like actually, you know, in the work and doing it. And I'd rather that speak volumes. And I think that's exactly why like people then they gravitate towards that. And it, cause if you can make other people reflect about themselves, boom, right? Like that's, that's where, right. you know, that's where it's at. So I, I, you know, so I just want to give you props for sharing all that. And then, um, I want to ask you like, Appreciate it. yeah, hundred percent, um, with, with businesses now, you know, and, and work on your game, you're talking about, um, you know, the frameworks that you have there and, and, and whatnot, like, what are some of the things that you're doing now, um, uh, for brands or for people or, you know, in, in coaching or any, in any avenue, like what, what do you think is, what are you seeing as a, uh, something that's coming up often and, and that you're actually having fun helping with? Um, and then what are, you know, some of the things that you're, you know, you've been focusing on? Number one thing I see with people these days is, is so easy to uh, just hit yourself with the shoulds. I should do this. I need to do this. I know I need to get better at that because I get people who, you know, I have a a text line. So I'll get people text me and when people come in and text me, one of the first things I ask them is what's the biggest challenge you're dealing with right now. They'll tell me whatever the challenge is. And I'll say, how long you've been dealing with this challenge and what's your plan to handle it? And it's the same answers over and over and over again. I've been dealing with this for months, for years. It's been a challenge my whole life. What's, what's your plan to handle it? Uh, I need to work harder. I need to focus more on myself. I need to get more motivated. <laughs> I need to be more disciplined. And it's like, yeah, you've been thinking that for the last 10 years. Like you didn't just think right. about that 10 minutes ago when I text you. Right. So what are you going to do about it? And it's, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm always challenging people with is understanding that a lot of times in life, it's very easy for us to think of uh, what they call quantitative changes. Like, let me just work harder, do more, do better, push harder, be more motivated, some level of more or less in order to achieve an outcome when you've already known about that your whole life and clearly it's not working. Whereas instead, what you need is a qualitative change, a change in approach. Yes. Do something completely different. Get yourself a coach. Join an accountability group. Join a mastermind. Invest in yourself because when you pay, you pay attention. Something different that's actually going to get you to the outcome. And I, I try to help people understand this. And I know only a small percentage of people are ever going to act on it, but I still got to do my part is helping them understand. Like, why does LeBron James have a ba- have a, have a coach? Why does he have a trainer? Uh, he's better at basketball than damn near everybody. He doesn't need a trainer, but he has one. Uh, why did Michael Jordan have one? Why does Taylor Swift have a voice coach? Uh, why does Denzel Washington have an acting coach? All right, they're already at the top of their game at what they do. And the reason that they stay at the top of their game is because they have professionals around them who help them stay on point and keep them sharp. It's not necessarily like, having a, a coach or joining a mastermind or joining a, an accountability program is not because something's wrong with you. It's actually a smart thing because there are 8 billion people on the planet. Why would you do everything by yourself? Why? I mean, you leverage the skills of other people. Leverage the, I say it's five forms of investment, time, money, attention, energy, and focus. 
you don't have enough of each one to do everything on your own, at least not to do them well. So leverage other people, use other people, and then you develop your skill and you let other people use you and you charge them for it. We call that business. Now, that's the way that it works. But a lot of people simply don't understand that they have they've been indoctrinated. And I blame the educational system for this. They we indoctrinate kids into thinking that you have to do everything on your own and by yourself. And if you don't do it, you're doing something wrong because in school, when there's a test, if you look at what somebody else is doing, they call that cheating and you fail in life. The test is open book. Life is an open book test. Yeah. And the, the only challenge in life is not whether you can open a book or not. It's which book do you open? Because there are a million books. How do you know which book to choose from? That's where you leverage the knowledge and skills and the experience of other people. It's so it's, it's almost it's ironic, but at the same time, it's kind of disappointing that the exact opposite of what we do to be successful in school, we need to do in real life. So I try to help people understand that. And just understand that there's a whole other education you need to give yourself outside of what you learn in you know, K through 12, even worse if you went to college, depending on what school you went to. Let's just say that uh, <laughs> and you're going to take you to the level that you really want to get to in life. And the people who understand this, they're giving you the education, but people have to allow it to get in and they have to because by the time you start hearing this, you're already in your 20s. And yeah. what I say, uh, Matt, is that by the time you finish puberty, which is somewhere between 18 and 25, all growth is voluntary. You have to do it on purpose. You have to choose to grow. All the growth that happens before that happens kind of on its own naturally. But you got to make choices and uh, conscious, intentional decisions to get better and to change between the ages of 25 and whenever you die. And a lot of people simply don't do it because they've already been programmed. And that's the it can be a tragedy for a lot of people, but it can be a beautiful thing for the people who get it. Conscious and intentional. You know, mm -hmm. and that's I think, you know, where uh, when you're conscious and intentional, you're starting to ask more critical thinking type questions, especially when you're talking about qualitative yep. approach. You know, uh, I have to do something different if you mm -hmm. keep seeing the same outcome or variations of it. It doesn't matter, by the way, if like, you know, you're the the ever heart giver like you know and you're you're doing all like really nice things but like for some reason all the outcomes keep seeing the same thing you have to change an approach something mm -hmm. in there is not working and i think people have to be willing to put themselves healthily under a microscope when i say healthily meaning like with love like you don't got to like be like constantly guilting yourself especially as you start waking up to a lot of the things that you realize you were doing um mm -hmm. but Asking yourself, like, okay, what is an, uh, an outcome that I would actually prefer? Like, what is right. another outcome? Okay, out of curiosity, why didn't that outcome happen over here? Oh, well, I didn't have certain conversations up front. What didn't I like about what happened in that business setting or with that business partner or with that, like, you know, person or relationship or whatever? Well, would I ideally like? Am I behaving mm -hmm. like that? What is my framework for how I'm behaving? And if I wanted to expect that from somebody else, what would I need to ask ahead of time to know that that's how I'm going to get something in return? You know, right. it's like all of these things, we have to just basically have this amazing relationship with ourselves, which is not always easy, you know, especially in the beginning when you're starting to like really <laughs> put yourself under the microscope. And I tell people like, be kind right. to yourself in the process, but like, but you gotta, like you said, it, it's gotta be um, intentional. It's gotta be conscious. It's gotta be, um, you know, uh, uh, not purposeful is what you said. You use another word, but it was just like, but it's so um, no one else can do it for you um, as much as you'd like somebody else to do it for you. Um, you know, and that ha not me and you, but I'm just saying a lot of times people are like, oh, well, you know, I was hoping for this. I was hoping for that. I'm like, no one's ever going to do it the way you do it. They couldn't. Mm. They couldn't. They could even if even if you were hoping for an outcome and had an expectation, which already got to learn how to manage those, like because nobody will ever be able to show up the exact way that you would have it envisioned in your mind. So you're gonna have to actually figure it out for yourself. And to your point about accountability, having a coach is so unbelievably important because it's not always so much um, what are you, um, you know, what more can I get. It, a lot of times it's also just having that person to see other angles of you, to see other things that are exactly. going on while you're, while you're maneuvering, somebody to bounce stuff off with that's just kind of like, you know, strategizing with. Otherwise, if you get too isolated, mm. you know, you almost start to miss some of the angles. Like, why am I off? Like, I need, I need somebody else to bounce something off of me. And like, I think it's beautiful 
you know, and I experienced this uh, in business recently. It was somebody where I spent a full 12 hours on developing something that was like beautiful and how it was done. And then in the end, uh, uh, a buddy of mine that I brought on for uh, with business, we were doing some stuff and, and he's like, you know, uh, you can actually just remove these uh, things and you could just do this little widget right here. And then that'll actually be less steps for the person that's, you, you know, that's uh, doing the survey. And then we'll just mm -hmm. put this in afterwards and that'll solve like everything. And it'll even help the other side. And I was like, that's brilliant. He goes, I'm so sorry. Cause you just put in the 12 hours. I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like the fact that you found something that made everything easier in the end, both for me and for other people. I was like, that's incredible. You want good people around you to find things that like you may not have actually thought of in that moment, even if you did something else really, really well, you know? So I love that you, yeah. you know, you talked about that, uh, you know, um, from a coaching perspective, um, you know, so two questions there coach to people does the, and I'll actually mm -hmm. ask the first question you coach the people. Does the coach, the people also have a coach. Do you have a coach? Oh, absolutely. I'm in or a mentor, three right. different programs. There you go. There <laughs> you go. Three different programs right now. One business, <laughs> one for, uh, operations, one for when it comes to just, uh, content and creation of products, copy and all that stuff, but always, you know, and then I actually, this does lead to a second question. Don't you love being both a student and a teacher? Yes. And what I tell people is uh, confidence of the teacher and the humility of a student. You have to have both and you want to have them at you need to have them at all times, because when you step on the stage, you need to have the confidence of a person needs to be listened to and you know your stuff. But at the same time, you got to be able to step down off the stage, sit down in the audience, pull out your, your notepad and take notes from the next person because they might know something that you don't know. Even if you are you no know, further ahead than them, they might have a, a perspective or an angle that you don't have. And me, I'm a sponge, so I'm always looking for an angle because especially with as much content as I create, I need right. as many ideas as I can get. So I'll take them from anywhere. So absolutely. And it's kind of like that. The idea that people say you always want to have that uh, person who you can teach, a person who's on your level, you can swap ideas with and the person who's above you who can teach you. So absolutely. I, I love that. You know, I uh, I for the teachers out there, right, the, the folks that are like, you know, you've known your stuff for a long while. You really want to invigorate yourself. Go find some people that are go become a student. Um, That's right. and it's, it's something that, um, in a few areas with me, uh, on the, the creative and the content side, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've recently found new groups of people. It's funny. I went off of Instagram, went on to Twitter and I'm like, there's where you guys are <laughs> and like yeah. watching this community away from everything else that I've been around. I'm like, man, this is like incredible. Like learning some new things in, in, um, content creation and like distilling uh, complex ideas, making them even simpler and e more digestible and, and, and consumable by your audience, all these different things. And I'm like, it's incredible. And it, it's funny because it becomes invigorating for mm -hmm. if you really are a teacher because you love your stuff, then how do you keep loving your stuff? And I think when you're a student, you keep loving your stuff because then you're like, you're finding new ways to constantly like, learn how to like, you know, give it even more respect and give it even more attention and keep, you know, growing it always. Right. So I think there's that beautiful balance of like, and plus your audience, our audience, everybody's relying on you to keep learning. You have to, because mm. it's going to keep That's becoming right. the, the, the material for you to divulge to all of these people who are like, Hey, give me more Dre, <laughs> you know, right. You can't give what you don't have. Yeah. So yeah. 31 books. That's a yeah. lot, brother. <laughs> a lot. Like, well, I, I was going to originally I was going to ask him, like, was there a favorite in there? Like, you know, do you I mean, how um, were they all self-published? One of them is traditionally all the rest are uh, through my you. company. self. good yeah. for you. Uh, like I'm, I'm a fan of self the self-publishing route. I mean, you know, um, what uh, um, when did it start? And, you know, what what's maybe some, um, you know, thoughts on on that process? Because I feel like in a lot of ways, it's also a very entrepreneurial process. And mm -hmm. I think people are always kind of waiting. You know, for me, I, I just wanted a certain, I've been writing, I have thousands and thousands of books. So the writing's already there now, it's just how I want to group it together. But for a lot of people, they right. always talk about like, you know, when I'm ready or, uh, you know, I have to prepare, I have to prepare, I have to prepare. And I'm like, well, you just kind of have to dive into anything really. And then like, you'll figure it out. But um, self-publishing, you know, there's, there's some stuff there. Like what... Um, you know, what was that like, that process for you? Um, maybe the first time you did it and the 31st time that you did it. And then, um, mm. you know, 
why do you like the self-publishing route so much? You're just basically going to affirm what I always preach to my audience. I just want them to hear it from somebody else. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah. my my first book was called uh, Buy a Game, and that was uh, some advice that my one of my eighth grade classmates gave me back when I was asking him for some advice to get better at basketball. He said, Jerry, you need to go buy yourself a game because I didn't really have any skills. I didn't have any talent. So he was giving me some uh, harsh truth, some critical <laughs> feedback. And I took that with me and took it all the way. That became Work On Your Game. And that book came out around 2009, around that same period when I started selling products and stuff like that, because I had a, this big audience of ballplayers who just wanted to know my story. So I just wrote that to get in my story. And I was giving that book away for free. I still give it away for free, actually, to this very day. Awesome. And that's where it started. And then I wrote books around uh, discipline, confidence, mental toughness, personal initiative, the stuff that I was talking about in those weekly motivation videos every week. Mm -hmm. I wrote, I've written four books about overseas basketball, like the mm -hmm. business side of the game, not my story, yes. but the business side of it, how to actually do it, how to play overseas basketball. So I wrote about the overall game. I wrote about the business side, about agents and about exposure camps, because those are the questions that I always get asked by ballplayers. And then a lot of the other books are about you know, interpersonal skills, a lot of mindset stuff. And uh, the traditionally published book I did is a book called Work On Your Game. You can see it right over my yeah. shoulder here. Yes. It's actually a great book. It came together perfectly. Every word in that book is written exactly as it needed to be written. One great thing about the traditional publishing world, I can say some challenging things, we'll call it that, and some good things about it. But one great thing about the traditional publishing world is when you have a good editor, that book will come out amazing. I had a great editor. She was really good. And they were, this is a Manhattan publisher. And it took us uh, two and a half years to get the book out. I don't take that long to write. I wrote the manuscript in about 30 days, mm. but it took us two and a half years to put the book out because of all their delays and they got a hundred other books in front of me and they just make things take long. This is just how things work with big corporations. But the book came out uh, amazing, that book and all my other books. I just come up with the ideas. I know I put them on Google Docs. I probably got about 20 books inside of Google Docs right now that I haven't finished. Because every time I come up come up with an idea, I just start it in Docs. And if ever I get to it, I get to it. And then I just you know, put them in order of importance, what I want to get to next. And over time, I've just learned just with the process of launching the book. One thing that I tell people about self-publishing, if you're going to put out your own book, is writing the book is kind of the easy part. The, the challenging part, if you're in business, is selling the book. How do you get somebody to actually give money for your book? That's the part you need to think about. And you need to, as they say, dig your well before you're thirsty. Now, how do you get people to even know that you exist and be interested in what you're going to put out before you actually put it out? Because I run into a lot of entrepreneurs who have a book or they want to write a book, but nobody knows who they are. And nobody even knows about their book. So they write their book and they're like, well, I got these books and I want to sell my book. I'm like, yeah, you have a book, but nobody knows Nobody knows you, let alone do they know about your book, let alone are they interested in it, yep. and let alone will they give you money for it. So all of these things are the things you really need to think about. If we're talking business here, now, if you're writing a book for your ego, you just want to put it on your table and say you wrote a book, fine. But if you want to write a book and actually drive revenue from the book, then you need to actually think about that before you even start putting your pen to the paper. And that's the thing that I've learned more and more over time is how I'm actually going to sell the book. And then when I learn more about you no know, sales funnels and because I have so many, I can bundle books together. So I ship out bundles of 12 books. You know, you come to my funnel for one book, you leave with 10. You know, so I know I've learned how to do that with the funnels and putting them all together. And I've, I am a salesperson, Matt. Like, I've always been a salesperson. And I tell people that I'm not a basketball player. Basketball was just the, the business I was selling for 10 years. Right? My business is sales. I'm in the Dre Baldwin business. All right, so it was basketball for 10 years. Now it's you know, the mindset and the work on your game, but the business never changed. The business is me. And I've always known how to sell. So when I get new information on how to sell, whether it be from a, a Russell Brunson, a Dan Kennedy, a, a, a Jim Edwards, any of those people who really knows this stuff, they know it better than me. I can just take their pieces and integrate it into what I do. Same way I could take a, a move that Kobe did and integrate it into my basketball game. So, and again, that's why I say I'm a sponge. I can take in information. I can figure out where does it fit within the framework of what I do. So that's how I, that's really how I got into the book thing. And I had to, I'll give credit to my mother. She's an educator. So she had my sister and I reading and writing from a very young age. So the reason I became so prolific with writing is because I've always been writing and reading from a, a very, very young age, even before the basketball, before the YouTube. So that's where the, the writing thing came from. 
there's a lot in there that you just said. <laughs> I love talking yeah. with you, man. Uh, no, well, well, I'll tell you what. Sales, 100%. Mm-hmm. I just did a video the other day about this. I said, um, honesty is the greatest sales tactic. And, uh, and as is, honesty is also the greatest marketing tactic. I'm like, give the people exactly what they want. I was like, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, to the second point of yours, I tell people you have to be in the business of managing you. If you don't That's manage right. you, somebody else will try. And even mm-hmm. if you work for somebody else, you know, you still want to be constantly working on, you know, <laughs> working on your game. Um, and so, mm-hmm. um, the business of managing you, I think is so unbelievably important. And um, I heard it was uh, Dr. Dre in an interview when he was talking about he didn't always like the business. Um, he's never really liked business. He loves his creativity. And he's like, but the problem is, is if you don't learn to manage business, somebody else will manage your creativity. Mm-hmm. He's like, so I had to learn right. the business. You know, Swiss Beats went through the same thing, you know, and he was just like, hey, he's like, I was mm-hmm. bringing people together. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, how am I being left out on certain deals? Like, I need to go maybe learn a few things on like how to structure myself differently. Um, you know, so I can manage what I'm bringing together and cultivating and creating, you know, so I think that the greatest brand we could ever manage is ourselves. Um, and it should be first and foremost. Right. And so, uh, so I love that you bring up, like, we're all always doing sales. I think it's just that it's just even easier if we're just really honest about like what we're, what we're managing of ourselves and, um, what we're bringing to this world and how do we do it with, you know, honesty and integrity and ease for those that need what we have that we're bringing right which also i love that you brought up you know mm-hmm. uh funnels that's what we did our workshop um uh live the the other day it was like hey you know let's remove i get funnels got abused online you see it all kinds of stuff like that i'm like but we're all in one somewhere or another i was like so you guys have to understand what's really happening is funnels are a great way to personalize um, you know, how you help people. And it's funny because, and I said, I get it guys. I'm like, before I created an actual funnel company, (laughs) I was like, I, I struggled with all of the, um, you know, having, I didn't want to do them because I was afraid of losing personalization. I'm like, that's a wrong mindset. I was like, because if you're trying to help out as many people as possible, your goal is to figure out how to do it. Um, and you know, be there for as many people as possible. I'm like, actually funnels help expand your purpose. They actually help expand your personalization. Cause you're like, I care about you so much that I'm trying to put these things into place to make it as easy as possible for you to have the things that I'm, you know, offering to you and that you feel it's coming from me. And, you know, I think it's mm-hmm. cause they got jaded from some old, you know, the old school cats that like, are like, just throw it against the wall. And like, I don't care who buys it. And you're like, well, that's, <laughs> give your funnel some love is really, <laughs> but so I right. love that. I love that you bring that up too, because I think all of these things are, how do I bring more value? How do I manage who I, who, what I bring to this world? How do I provide it systematically? Because with systems, mm-hmm. it both is good for you and for the people you're serving, because now you're both like managing time, energy, money, and value. Um, mm-hmm. as opposed from a few days ago, <laughs> like, I, I feel like I'm sharing your brain, man. Like, so I, I just, uh, I, I love that, you know, you bring all of these things up. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, and then shout out to your mom, right. Right. Like when I, I took that note as well too, like that's, uh, yeah, shout out to my mom, <laughs> you know, that she, uh, what's, what's your mom's name? Uh, Cindy, Cindy, shout out to Cindy. Yes. Nice. All right. Um, without a strong, I think that's, uh, strong women. Um, you know, uh, they keep us honest, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I, I appreciate you bringing that up and like just the educator and her and whatnot. What, um, what are you working yeah. on right now? Like, do you have some things that are, are, you know, that you're excited about that? You're, I mean, I know you're already, you're always going to be going, 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 but like anything in particular right now yeah. that you're working on, that's like exciting to you. Well, the biggest thing right now is my first child's on the way. Oh, so wow. I'm, congrats, yes. man. Congrats. Thank you. Thank wow. you. So I'm expecting, we are expecting him as a boy within the next uh, three weeks. Wow. So that's the, that's the biggest thing that I'm working on right now. But other than that, I am uh, just reworking one of my mastermind programs, making sure that I'm emphasizing exactly what people get. I feel like the offer is not clear enough right now. The people are not quite understanding exactly what they're getting. I don't think the value proposition is as strong as it needs to be. So actually what I was doing this afternoon before we hopped on with you was just reworking that sales page. There's nothing wrong with the actual product, but I think the, the hook story offer, the offer is good, but the hook and the story are not clear enough. 
and actually one of the programs that I'm in, they gave me that feedback that I'm not quite sure what you're offering here, Dre, so I'm making it better. That's the biggest thing I'm working on right now because when it's good, then I should be making more sales. So that's really what I'm looking at right now. And you know, continuing to sell my, my books, I have so many. So I you know run the ads and get more people into the funnels and then moving them into my mastermind and coaching programs. And looking into just putting together some stronger coaching programs, some mass back-end masterminds, and just bringing in higher value clients, people who are willing to uh, invest in themselves at higher levels. I mean, that's really what I'm looking at. I love it. And I love that you started with the greatest work, the greatest investment you will ever have, right? The family. Like, that's uh, you know, right. your health, right? So that's incredible, man. Um, where can everybody find you like online? What are like, what's the best way you can, you can put all the, the social, everything you want, unless there's one main yeah. way, but it also, I'll put it all in the show notes so they can find like you everywhere anyways. Of but course. where, where, where do you want them to find you? Uh, the place I probably spend the most time every day will probably be Instagram simply because I use right. the story function so right. much. So, so I'm on Inst my Instagram is just my name, Dre Baldwin, and I'll make sure I'm following you there. Also, Matt. But then I'm on I'm on every other platform that is active now. I'm not on TikTok. That's the only thing I'm not on. I don't think most of my clients aren't on TikTok, so I don't <laughs> bother with it. But uh, <laughs> I'm on everything else. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Clubhouse, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. But Instagram is the one I probably spend the most time on if you looked at the, the screen time app on my phone. So amazing. I amazing. Yeah. Uh, appreciate having you on. So uh, I always tell this to every guest. It's a journey driven podcast. Yeah. It means we're always evolving. You're welcome back on anytime. So you want to come back on in three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, a month from now. It doesn't matter. Whenever you have some other topics, you're like, you know what? I really want to go hard on these things or, you know, this is happening now. Uh, you're welcome. Anytime you want to come on, man. I, I love repeat guests, okay. actually. You know, so you're welcome anytime. Um, I right, will do that. Yeah, absolutely. It, sit, sit tight. We'll connect here offline here in a second. But for everybody listening, you can go to at Dre Baldwin on Insta. Um, making sure I'm going to, I'm following him. Um, go, go, uh, check him out there. That'll lead to everything else. Um, you know, if you have any questions, you can reach out to him. He, he's just like all of us, the DM, the DM is your friend. It's okay. We're here to help. <laughs> so just, as I always say to you guys, yes. um, you know, Dre's probably really busy. I would say this to you guys, like, just, you know, keep it, keep it appropriate and wait timely for the, for, <laughs> for him to get back to you, <laughs> you know, because everybody's always doing a million different things. And, you know, the goal is always to try to, you know, kind of rein that in themselves as well. So, uh, I appreciate all you guys for yeah. listening. I appreciate, uh, Dre for being on this, man. Uh, it was an incredible show and I'm, I'm looking forward to having you back as well too. Well, I appreciate you sharing your platform, Matt. This is a great conversation. Thank you for the questions. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody make sure you go connect with Dre at Dre Baldwin. Uh, guys, I really appreciate you uh, for tuning in every single week. Please go leave a rating and review. Uh, you know, I love the rating and reviews you guys already left. Apple and Spotify, sure appreciate it, <laughs> which makes me appreciate it even more. <laughs> and then also, you guys, uh, we are permissionless.xyz. It's, it's my substack, mattgosman.substack.com. Uh, I think you guys will really continue to keep digging that. I appreciate the thousands that have already uh, subscribed to that newsletter, and it's growing fast, and I appreciate you guys for that too. So uh, until next week, you are loved. I love you guys. I appreciate all of you. For Dre Baldwin, for myself, Mag Osman, for The Hustle Sold Separately, we're out. Recording stopped.